Hello, OT amplifiers, and welcome to this episode of the Amplify OT podcast. This episode is a little bit different because I am interviewing the individuals who are running for president-elect of AOTA and vice president of AOTA. These are elected board positions for AOTA, and elections are opening on February 2nd of 2024 and close on February 23rd of 2024. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. First things first, the show notes. We have links to the sample ballot and to the elections page where you can log in to participate in AOTA's elections. Secondly, I have listed the full-length bios of the individuals who are in this recording. Because there were so many candidates and they had such fantastic things to say, we have actually broken up these interviews into three separate podcast episodes. Two episodes are dedicated to president-elect, and one episode is dedicated to the vice president. Now, I do want to make it super clear that there is absolutely no rhyme or reason as to why certain folks were grouped together or what order they appear in. I also want to make sure it's clear that I, myself, and Amplify OT are not endorsing any specific candidate. I think all of them have such an interesting perspective to bring to the position, and it's really going to be a tough choice. So I encourage you to listen to all the different interviews and hear the different perspectives, but also hear where they overlap in mission. For AOTA president-elect interviews, you will be hearing from Karen Sames, Michael Pizzi, Vikram Pagpatten, and Arame Amverzad. For vice president, you will hear from Natalie Chang-Wright and Christina Reyes. And I just want to say that I am so grateful that all of them agreed to participate in this project and that they are willing to put forward their time to support our profession for the better. The show notes will contain timestamps for each interview. So if you want to skip forward to a specific interview, you can do that by looking at the show notes. I have also uploaded each interview individually to YouTube, so you can also look at their interviews there, or you can share that specific interview, especially if you're looking to endorse your own specific candidate. There are numerous reasons to participate in this election, not only because we're voting for president-elect and the vice president, but there are also four individuals running for open positions on the board of directors. Now, unfortunately, many of these positions run unopposed. And while it's fantastic to see individuals who are getting involved and are willing to serve our profession, it's always great to have a choice. It's also unfortunate that for some positions, there were no nominations received, such as the mental health special interest section chairperson, the home and community health special interest section chairperson, and the OTA representative elect to the representative assembly. Unfortunately, there were no RA nominations received in Alabama, Connecticut, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Maryland, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin. So if you live in any of those states and you're an AOTA member, I highly encourage you to consider running for the representative assembly so that you can represent the interests and beliefs of your state. A few years ago, AOTA put out statistics saying that on average, only 4% of AOTA members vote in AOTA elections. We need to make that change. You deserve to have your voice heard and you should participate in these elections just like you do in any other local or national election. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into these interviews and I can't wait to hear your perspectives. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. 
Our next interview is with Dr. Michael Pizzi. He's a distinguished occupational therapist, holds the prestigious award for excellence in the advancement of occupational therapy, and was one of the youngest therapists to become fellow of the American Occupational Therapy Foundation. He pioneered the first childhood obesity occupation and client-centered assessment, which is currently undergoing psychometric testing and is used nationally. He is also the author of the Valid and Reliable Pizzi Health and Wellness Assessment, or PHWA, which has been used in the U.S. and abroad in OT curricula and in clinical settings. With over 60 peer-reviewed articles and chapters, he's a forerunner in areas such as HIV rehabilitation, childhood obesity, and health promotion. Dr. Pizzi co-edited two internationally used OT textbooks and is the founder of the Well Songs Project which showcases compositions inspired by OT interviews with children with special needs. He currently serves as a reviewer of the American, Canadian, and Australian OT journals and as a reviewer for OT and healthcare. Dr. Pizzi was also on the editorial board of Annals for the International Occupational Therapy and was an associate editor of the American Journal of Occupational Therapy, or AJOT. So without further ado, let's welcome Michael Pizzi. Well, welcome, Michael, to the Amplify OT podcast. I am so excited to have you here as part of our Individuals Running for President-Elect of AOTA uh, series. And so welcome. And I'd love for you to tell our amplifiers a little bit about yourself and all the amazing things that you've done that we've been talking about. (laughs) Yes, we've had a wonderful conversation already. To launch right into the uh, candidacy piece, I think experience accounts for a lot. I've been an OT leader for nearly all of my 42 years of being an occupational therapist, starting with my first AJOT article in 1984 on hospice care. I was 26 years old, so I was asked to write the article, and I was beyond excited because I had just presented at AOTA on hospice, and 400 people attended because it was a brand new, innovative way of looking at occupational therapy and the application of occupation. And I was beyond excited. So 26 years old and all these <laughs> leaders of the profession were talking to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, who, who, what did I just do? It was, it was very exciting. So I led the way through developing innovative and fresh ideas and perspectives on where OT could be and where we could make a difference, including hospice and end-of-life care, HIV, AIDS, childhood obesity, and health and wellness. In the last three topics, I was actually privileged to be asked to be the guest editor of AJOT4, and I believe I'm the only occupational therapist that has guest edited three different topics for yeah. AJOT. That's pretty exciting. Um, A lot of people know me through my publications. I have over 60 peer-reviewed articles, numerous book chapters, co-editor of two textbooks on health and well-being. I was one of the youngest OTs to get a fellow. When the Political Action Committee was created, I was on the first board, and I was on the first board of directors of AOTA, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten lots of awards from AOTA for my service and leadership for various task groups, including the Recognition of Achievement Award, the Award of Excellence in the Advancement of OT, and two alumni awards. Now, besides all those OT kinds of things (laughs) that sort of promote my leadership and service, Mm -hmm. I'm also a professional actor and and singer. 
I created a not-for-profit about 15 years ago called Touching Humanity, which is fully committed to putting uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, accessibility, and belonging into action. Our mission is to promote disability awareness and occupational and social justice through the arts and education. I was writing about and doing occupational justice kinds of things long before the definition of occupational justice was published. So I I believe that I'm a pretty strong leader in in those kinds of areas. Um, I also started a theater company, and my theater company is in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And it is one where we do a lot of different, I create a lot of different shows, and we donate some of the proceeds to the food bank because I think food insecurity is a place where we need to help our communities more. Absolutely. It's such a, you know, we were connected on this of both having a musical background, but yeah, it's great to see the integration of OT in numerous different facets. And I know it's something that I talk about a lot, right? That OT is a skill set. It's not just what we do, but it's how we use those skills. And clearly you've applied those to many different facets of your interests, your occupational interests, as well as um, different areas of life. Yeah, it's, it's such a privilege to help the community, but I get to do it through the arts, which mm-hmm. is something that I also have loved doing since I was five years old. I've been singing. It's a real joy. Well, that's great. Yeah, I've been singing since I was five, too, but no one wants to listen to me, you know? <laughs> well, I don't play the flute like you do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I sing. No one wants to hear the actual voice. <laughs> well, perfect. So why are you running for AOTA president and why now? If you were on the very first board of AOTA, right, you've had quite a bit of time. So why why this moment and why president? Yeah, I wasn't on the first board of AOTA. Okay. Because <laughs> that would make me very old. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I've been a leader in OT for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a nice culmination to my career and a new beginning for me because I just left academia last August, so I don't have a full-time job. I don't have a family that I had to talk to and and be responsible for all the time. So I have a lot of time. (laughs) And so I want to dedicate that to transforming how we see occupation and occupational therapy in the world. And I want to, in using your terms, I want to amplify OT throughout the country and throughout the world. And I don't think our public understands us still, I want to be able to change that. I think visibility and and communication is often missing in our profession, which is so weird because we pride ourselves on communication skills. But I think that we don't communicate enough to our members, and I want to change that as well. I also want to make a, a strong point that Last year's conference left me very concerned and upset about the direction where we seem to be heading. There was such a lack of civility, dignity, and professionalism Mm -hmm. with a protest and a call to boycott this year's conference. I want to bring civility back, professionalism, and transparent communication to our organization through our membership. And I want to align all of the different groups that we have within our profession so that we're all talking the same talk and walking the same walk. When some leaders call for boycotts and don't speak out about issues that tear us down, it's time for new leadership that promotes unity and collaboration and lifts us up. And I think that's where I'm headed right now. Fantastic. So with that line, you kind of touched on these points already, but right, what would be 
your kind of day one priorities? If you could be like the American president, right, and have executive decisions or things like that, what would be kind of the things that would be on your list of what you want to tackle right away? Right. Well, membership is number one, because we are a membership-driven profession. We do not communicate enough with our members. We not do not do enough with our members. We're not transparent enough with our members. And I think that all of that needs to change. And I think that might be, to answer a question you're going to ask later, one <laughs> of the driving forces that is driving members away mm-hmm. is that they don't feel valued. And we need to value them and we need to make sure that they understand where their dollars are going and why they need to become a member. We need to do better and provide first, better communication about that value. And second, find ways to provide members more for their money. And I feel strongly about that. The second day, one priority (laughs) is to work with the board and others to increase our visibility Mm. and show the general public our power and strength as an organization. Emails are just not sufficient for our members anymore. We must show other kinds of actions. We must do more community outreach. We need to educate others to our value, going into marginalized communities for recruitment of more members Mm -hmm. and educating about OT. That to me seems like, it seems so simple. And I think I would call upon a lot of member volunteers to help me go out and make people more aware. I've been advocating for uh, visibility for decades. I've been screaming about it. And and I got tired of always having to explain OT and differentiating us from other disciplines. I believe we still have a media arm to AOTA. And I always wondered what they did to promote us. I don't know what their goals are, but I would be curious. And that's what I I would work hand in hand with them to see what else we can do. I know we have many papers and educational materials that we Mm -hmm. can give out to people, but we need to get it into the hands of our educators, our practitioners, and all these other people that can help get the word out. Finally, I'd really like to look at our vision and mission statements because I Mm. think they need to be expanded and they need to be altered. I don't think they're complete. They don't include a lot of issues that we're dealing with right now, and I, Mm. I would like to to change that. So I would do that in collaboration with membership. What do members think about our vision and mission? And don't just make it a board activity, but let's get input from all people. Are there any specific areas that you would want to see added that you think are missing currently? I think the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, accessibility, and belonging issue needs to be addressed in a bigger way. It's really interesting. Our vision statement starts with as an inclusive profession. Well, I don't know if we're there yet. (laughs) And it's silly that we start with the phrase as an inclusive profession. I don't think we need to say that. Mm -hmm. I think it's through our actions and through our other statements, through our mission and vision statements that we can actually demonstrate that we are an inclusive profession. Perfect. So making sure we're walking the walk and talking the talk, right? Exactly. Exactly. I I think we talk the talk too much Mm -hmm. and we need to have demonstrable outcomes. And you've kind of touched on this as well. Like, What, in your opinion, do you think is the primary role or mission of AOTA within our profession? So we have a mission statement to advance OT practice, education and research. But I think that's very insufficient. It doesn't really say much. I think we must include advocacy. 
inclusivity and be much more specific about our mission so more members can understand where we stand and rally behind that mission. If you ask any number of OTs, including students, what our mission and vision statements are, I bet they have no idea. I'm not sure I could even tell you if I'm completely honest. <laughs> exactly. And I would like to, again, that needs to be out there more for all mm -hmm. of our members to understand and to take action around. And we don't do a great job of that right now. And I think that we can and should. So our mission is also to be a unified voice for our clients and not to be divisive among ourselves. I mean, division is not going to help us in any way, shape or form. We have to all be on the same page. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of different areas to heal and move forward. And it's nice to see some progress being made in those areas. I think we've had a, quite a few rough years across the country. Um, and it's nice to kind of hopefully we can find a unified way forward. Right, right. We need to collaborate more. We need to advocate for ourselves more and for each other more mm -hmm. and not do some postings that tear other people down. That's just unethical, it's unprofessional, it's irresponsible, and we can be better and we can be more optimistic about our future. Do you believe, and I'm guessing I know the answer, do you believe that membership is important or not? And why do you believe that? I've been a proud member for over 40 years. And my makes I have a great experience in, in leadership and scholarship and service to the profession. And I have loved being a member because I feel that being a member gives me a sense of belonging hmm. and shows me that I can be included among professionals that respect and value what it is I do and what we do as a profession that changes the world. And yeah. we need to sort of show other people that we can do that. But we need more members so that we have more advocacy. People don't also understand that it's so important to be a member because it helps us with our political action committee and it helps us to be more politically on board in, in Congress and, and with our politicians on a state and federal level. And we need to really get the word out. But sometimes that takes dollars and people need to understand that those dollars is what can help us continue our licensure, uh, help us with regulatory practices, help us to get OT more visible and, and paid for through mm -hmm. third-party payers. We need to advocate more for ourselves. I'd also like to figure out a way with the board and with our members how to maintain membership for all those students who get membership paid for and then they don't pay for their own membership. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out a way to, uh, to make that happen. And, and that's, that's a, a priority of mine. Absolutely. And so why have you been a member of AOTA over these last 40 years? What has kind of kept you committed and why are you still a member? Well, just, just being a part of the organization and the profession, it, it, has, it has provided me a, an identity that is is important to me. A lot of people, maybe they they have left to because they don't feel a professional identity. They don't feel a sense of belonging. Well, I'd like to uncover the reasons why. I think it's vital. I also have recognized being part of the uh, political action committee myself and having donated over the many years that that's where we also need to be politically. We need to 
work with our Congress people so that they understand what it is we do and why we do it and help them to get bills passed that will help us as a profession. But when it helps us, it helps all of our clients. And sometimes we lose sight of that. So your membership actually helps your clients, their families, and helps um, you develop a professional identity. Yeah, so I'm hearing those overall themes of community and advocacy. Is that fair to summarize? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a sense of belonging, which we all aspire to, because we can't do this alone. Members cannot depend on the board to do everything perfectly either. Hmm. I mean, there are sometimes people will make mistakes. Right. (laughs) I think a sense of forgiveness and Mm -hmm. understanding and kindness needs to come back to our Mm profession. We do not want to reflect what's going on in society right now. We do want to reflect goodness and that compassion. And that's why I believe that I would bring compassionate leadership. I like that term, compassionate leadership. Yeah, yeah. So in our last workforce study, and you touched on this, it showed that 25% right, of practitioners are considering leaving the field of OT. And AOTA had a 7% drop in membership this past year. How or do you think these issues are related? And what do you think is the best way to address these issues within our workforce and within our profession? One of the things that I think we need to aspire to and cultivate is a culture of cultural humility. Mm. I think that we need to have more respect for each other and with each other. Because if we don't have that respect, then people are going to say, why should I belong to this organization? I think the other thing is visibility. I think a lot of OTs are tired of having to define themselves and tell people what it is we do and how we do it. Now, I love it. I love defining (laughs) occupation for people. I love explaining what it is I do and how I do it. I put everything in the context of promoting health, well-being, and quality of life, because I think we're missing the boat on that too. And I, I believe that it's a matter of being more public, uh, making, making the public more aware of who we are and what we do, and showing them the value of what we do. And it's not just through scholarship. I mean, our scholars do that really well. I think every member needs to say, you know, I had a patient the other day, blah, 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 blah. And this this is where they what they presented to me. And this is the outcome. And it's because of occupational therapy that they're living a quality of life now. Those are the kinds of stories, those clinical stories that we need to put out there in the world. My new textbook, Interprofessional Perspectives for Community Practice, Promoting health, well-being, and quality of life is coming out shortly, hopefully in the next Congratulations. month. Congratulations. So. <laughs> and in there, I developed two very important chapters. One is totally on diversity, equity, and inclusion. The second is clinical stories. And I asked clinicians from all over the country to write a short two, three-page story about how they are engaging people towards promoting health, well-being, and quality of life from a community perspective, from an interprofessional perspective. And the stories have been amazing. 
but it's now a chapter in the book. So instead of like a case study, which is in all of our chapters, we have a whole chapter dedicated to just stories. And I think our academics can teach those stories to our students and say, that's the value of occupational therapy. Yeah. Not only that advocacy at that higher level, right, the national level, but also that individual advocacy of speaking up for yourself and for the profession at that local level. Absolutely. And it shows care and concern and compassion and kindness through those stories, which is something we forget to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we talk about those kinds of issues. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's interested in volunteering or taking on a leadership role? I love that question. First of all, be committed fully to your profession and to the clients you serve. Be committed. If you can't walk the walk and you're just talking the talk, you shouldn't be a volunteer leader. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that you walk the walk. You want to make a difference for and within your profession. What kind of a difference can you make having your voice heard? And it shouldn't be a single agenda. It should be looking at the broader issues that are presented to us. I think those are the three things that I would recommend to potential volunteer leaders. Yeah, I think there's always either there's hesitancy, right, where we don't feel like we know enough or we're not prepared yeah. to be a member. And that's always a difficult thing to, or to be a leader. And that's always a difficult thing to overcome. But I think it's right, right, that kind of the doing the work perspective of you know, making sure that we're actually involved in what it is that we want to do. And I think all of us who have found ourselves in leadership positions, right, it's because we've seen something we didn't like and we want to change it. And so we're like, well, who's going to do it? And you volunteer yourself, right? I think that's kind of this, the age-old story of leadership is seeing something you wouldn't like and wanting to make a difference. Exactly. And, and a lot of people, I, I liked how you touched on people think they don't have the skills or the experience. If you think you have skills and experience that can forward the profession and forward AOTA, then you should definitely be a volunteer leader. Because even if you think you're, you're too shy or too embarrassed or too not too confident, you might have the skills and then develop that sense of confidence by being demonstrating your competence. Mm -hmm. That translates really well. So I would encourage anyone with certain skills that can forward our profession to volunteer. I'm a big advocate for people volunteering. I think that's something you and I share of getting involved very early in our careers. Very early. Having people that empower you. Mm -hmm. That's really, really important. Yeah. My mentors have made a huge difference in getting me to where I am and having that circle. And so having someone who makes you, who pumps you up is always really, really helpful. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I've, I've had a wonderful mentor named Ellen Kalodner since I became an OT, <laughs> uh, just a short few years after that. And she has given me some wonderful advice over the years that helped to shape and, and guide my career for all these years. Yeah. And I think bringing that back again, right, to that community piece. Absolutely. Perfect. So the final question to sum up why, the big question, why should someone vote for Michael Pizzi? Which I should mention, I loved your little slogan, right? Of It's easy. Vote for Pizzi. I thought that was very clever. <laughs> it's easy. Just vote for Pizzi. Remember that, folks. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Well, first of all, I've been a leader for many years, as we've been talking about, and a strong advocate for the profession through my leadership, my service, and through scholarship. I think if anybody knows me, that they might know me through my scholarship work. They might know me through my many task forces that I've been on, the awards that I've won, etc. But all those things don't matter except when it translates into using those and using all of my skills that I've learned over the years to become a strong leader. I can reach across many differences, listen and hear issues and see beyond those issues in ways and developing ways that we can all work together. There's a lot of division right now in our profession. Yeah. So one of the things that I am is a unifier and a collaborator. I listen to all the voices. As a person of a marginalized community, I know what it's like to be marginalized and I know what it's like to be bullied and, and, and um, feel less than. And so it's important. So I can absolutely recognize the need to be as inclusive as we possibly can. Finally, I'm an innovator and I see where occupational therapy can go, not just mm -hmm. where we are and where we've been. It's been evident in my scholarship, in my lectures all over the world, um, and my keynotes that I've been so blessed to have, have given. But I want to end with a quick story. Yes. In 1985, when I was 27 years old and four years practicing, I used the principle of hospice care where the family is the unit of care. And created the social environment questionnaire because I believed we needed to include the family in some of our occupational therapy treatment plans. This was 1985. I presented to hundreds of OTs at an AOTA conference, and one person asked how they would get paid for that. Right. My response was that sometimes you just do things out of care and concern for others. That got great applause. And afterwards, the great Wilma West looked for me and said, quote, keep going. You're on to something with how forward thinking you are. Mm -hmm. And I carried that one interaction with me my entire career, because if Wilma West said it, then it <laughs> must be true. And um, I have been so blessed to do so many things in our profession. And I see this as another avenue to continue that mission to forward the profession. I love that story. And I think that's even a good summary of occupational therapy where we don't always realize how those one moment interactions can change and influence someone's life. And I think that's, for me, one of the most rewarding parts of being an occupational therapy practitioner is those little moments that can change the tra trajectory of someone's life. Especially coming from a leader in our profession, mm -hmm. when they pull you aside and they tell you these remarkable things, you have to believe them. And you go, <laughs> right. well, I guess I'm on the right track. I think I should keep doing that. And that what, like I said, that one interaction almost 40 years ago mm -hmm. changed the entire trajectory of my career. I feel very, very lucky to have known many, many amazing leaders in, in my 42 years of being an OT. And I hope that I would be a good role model for people as a leader in our profession. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the podcast, answering my questions. Obviously, I'm sure you agree with this, that everyone should go vote and participate in this year's election. 
Please. It's exciting to see the competition, I think. I just want to thank you for for being here and giving uh, members and the general community as a whole the opportunity to hear from you and your perspectives. Well, you are doing wonderful work, Clarice, and keep going yourself. Thank you. I will carry that with me. (laughs) Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Our next interview is with Vikram Pagpatten. Dr. Pagpatten is a licensed and registered New York State occupational therapist and graduate of York College, CUNY. His clinical expertise includes the assessment and treatment of neuromotor pediatric conditions, congenital pediatric diagnoses, and the application of rehabilitative assistive technologies for individuals across the lifespan. As a dedicated educator and researcher, Dr. Pagpatten pursues his passion for education through instructing the Theory and Practice School-Aged Pediatrics Foundations 1 and the assistive technology course within the core curriculum of SUNY Downstate. He serves as a master's research project advisor and contributes annually to the NBCOT board examination prep course at Downstate. Now, I'd like to go ahead and say that you may notice in this next interview that my voice does sound a little bit off, and that's because, unfortunately, I do have a cold. So please ignore any of the gravel in my throat, and let's go ahead and welcome Vikram Pagpatten. Well, welcome, Vic, again to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm so excited you're doing these interviews now as an official candidate. So if someone hasn't listened to your episode with me a couple of weeks ago already, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? First of all, Grace, thank you so much for having me on again. I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. It's great to have your voice amplified, and it's great to have your voice reach communities that often do, you know, may not feel heard or underrepresented. So again, any type of amplification, any type of platform that you're able to be on to not only advocate, but to represent the profession. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity, Grace. Thank you so much. My name is Vikram Beckpadden. I am an AOTA board director at the moment. I'm also a candidate for AOTA president-elect in 2024. I am from Brooklyn, New York. I'm currently in academia as an assistant professor and admissions coordinator for SUNY Downstate MSOT program. I also adjunct at York College, which is my alma mater, which is a part of the city, University of New York. Clinically, I practice in pediatrics, assistive technology, and outpatient care. And in leadership, 
I am 100% passionate about occupational therapy, and I have so many visionary ideas and collaborative opportunities for our community to be unified for one cause, which is to advance occupational therapy forward. So thank you, Clarice, for having me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. And running that right into our next question of why are you running for president and why like right now? There's many reasons, Clarice, and I'll, I'll give you three primary reasons that I think fit well together. First off, for a number of years, for, for almost more than a decade, I've been truly inspired by the potential of our profession. We have amazing responsibilities in changing lives for better, from early intervention to outpatient care to hand therapy to inpatient rehabilitation there are two skilled nursing facilities. When truly we think about it, our profession covers the lifespan, but our practice covers the lifespan. And it's an incredible opportunity to be a part of the OT profession. So first and foremost, I am passionate about occupational therapy. Second of all, I've given this thoughtful consideration and based upon mentorship, based upon both the micro and macro social circles and professional circles, I've been thinking very deeply about the meaning of our profession, the meaning of our future. And I look at students as a visionary ideal to strive towards, their aspirations, their goals, their, uh, their inspirations, and what they look towards as mentors and models. And I see a unlimited potential for occupational therapy in not only our current practice areas, but expanded practice areas. I look at the innovation that lies ahead of us when it comes to technology. I look at the incredible work that the AOTA staff and the multiple volunteer leaders in the state associations and in our representative assemblies and what they do on an everyday basis to not only make meaningful choices and meaningful decisions, but to make meaningful advancements in occupational therapy. I am truly just fueled by multiple perspectives in multiple areas in our field to really move us forward towards the right direction. But the most important part, Clarice, is together. In a non-divisive way, but rather in a unified way, together towards one cause, which is to advance occupational therapy forward. Absolutely. I can get on board with that, right? The whole goal of Amplify OT is to amplify our profession. That being said, what would be your day one priorities as president, right? We hear that a lot from people who are running for president of the United States, where they have these day one priorities. What would be yours as AOTA president if it worked that way? If I'm able to earn, earn is the important word. If I'm able to earn the trust, support, and confidence of our community, then the day one priorities would be first, A, not to change anything right away. As I think I think it's, a, it's an important point to, to relay, to make drastic decisions and decisions out of, uh, you know, sometimes biased perspectives or decisions that often are not collaborative, I think is truly a negative aspect of leadership that does not condone a equitable and inclusive mindset or culture. So for me, my day one priorities would be to truly empathize, understand, and reach out to all stakeholders of our profession. So what does that mean, Clarice, in actuality? It means I'm going to continue to engage OTA and OT students. I'm going to continue to engage OTA and OT practitioners. I've said this before during the uh, evening with candidates, Clarice. I'm not waiting for invitations. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will make my own. I'll print out my own invitation card and I'll invite <laughs> myself to the wedding because I want to know what the pulse is of our profession from mm-hmm. academia to practice and also from perspectives of academicians, researchers, and stakeholders. So uh, as the current president, Dr. Um, Allison Stover, has done, I'm going to continue that legacy forward by being accessible, 
by being approachable and easily to be engaged in conversations that are difficult and conversations that move us forward. So again, the day one priorities is to collect quantitative and qualitative information from everyone. I think you'll have your fair share of difficult conversations. That's one thing that many of us recognize that we feel like we're in a bit of a, a pivoting point that this is an important election. And I think that ties in well, right, collecting all this information, you've been really kind of touring the country almost collecting it. What, in your opinion, after talking to all these different groups, is the primary role or mission of AOTA within our profession of occupational therapy? Unlike many, I do know what the mission of AOTA is, because <laughs> I, again, as a board director, I'm an extension of the entire membership body. So I think an important aspect of the role of AOTA, not so much as a mission, but for now the role of AOTA, mm-hmm. based upon, again, in representation of our entire community, which includes members and non-members, I believe the role of AOTA now is to serve as a practical tool for everyone. Everyone, including, again, individuals that look at, look at us for academic support, mm-hmm. clinical support, advocacy support, and research support. So I think, again, if you think about it from many perspectives, we have to be a tool that serves a need. And that need can be, aka, called a value. And this is something that I believe not only state associations, but our national association has been challenged with for multiple years at this point. What is the value of membership? And this does tie into our next question, but the gist is, if AOTA serves as a tool, a tool that could be used for an objective, an objective that has a clear outcome, an outcome which either further advances practice, further advances research, makes the job of teaching OTA and OT students easier, whatever is tangible to the person, I think that's what AOTA needs to be. It needs to be a tangible tool. And, I, and we did talk about this a little bit before, Clarice, but I do look at innovation and technology as a, almost like a, a guide or a hint where, again, if it's handheld, if it's easily accessible, and if it gives us what we need at the moment efficiently, then AOT can strive to be that, that tool that provides information and resources. Yeah. So what is your opinion or do you believe that membership's important with AOTA and why or why not? Well, membership matters. <laughs> so, so that's it, first of all. So I'm laughing because, again, it's an incredible way of looking at membership from a, not an entitlement perspective, but rather to understand, does membership matter? And if it does matter, why? Now, yeah. on, on the flip side, if membership does not matter, let's truly understand why. So yes, to answer your question, it, membership is a critical aspect in many places, not only in the national association, but in state associations as well, and as well as in other, other spaces. I think before we address or before we talk about the membership issue, which is, again, a factor across multiple areas, it's truly important to understand what exactly is it that our communities need. That also brings that concept where we may not be able to suffice all of the needs at the given time. And that's perfectly fine. But if our role is to advance occupational therapy forward as per our mission, we should be able to take that long walk with our members and non-members in finding those resources with them. So I think that's what membership is, is that undeniable support across the board for our entire community, where if we don't have the answers, we can definitely build solutions together or build pathways towards those resources together. I think that's the pivotal point of membership. It's, again, a sense of community and belonging. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, that kind of to summarize that point of having a community to rely on. I think you and I've talked about this before, that 
you know, especially when I was burnt out, the thing that kept me tied to this profession was my community of people that were both in my state association and within AOTA. Otherwise, I don't know where I would have wound up. It's almost like it's there whether you need it or not. Exactly. So why are you a member of AOTA? Oh, my goodness. To me, membership is much more than just uh, tangible outcomes or tangible results. I, I had this conversation with a plethora of institutions and clinics so far. The value is a very subjective concept. My values may not be your values. And that's what makes it beautiful that we have diverse values when it comes to our approach to membership. Why am I a member? I truly embrace the idea of having a community of support. I've said this in multiple ways, from state associations to national associations. And I'm saying saying it in plural. There are multiple forms of national associations. Amplify OT is another form of membership that adds to the idea of leveraging resources to advance practice, to advance knowledge. I don't believe in just one entity having everything that you need in the lifespan of being an occupational therapy practitioner. I think there are multiple ways of leveraging resources, again, to advance the mission forward. I'm a member because I've truly benefited from the community of support, from mentorship to academic supports. And also as a small business owner, I need AOTA as a brand, as a strong, reliable, understandable, noticeable brand of excellence to define my business. I've invested into a board certification within AOTA. So I have a BCP in pediatrics, and that has helped me tremendously to not only teach pediatrics, but to practice pediatrics. I've invested into the CLA, which is a certified leader in academia from the Academic Leadership Institute of AOTA, which has advanced my ability to feel more confident in my abilities to teach occupational therapy education. So I, I can name a, a whole magnitude of, of other tangible outcomes. But the point is, again, with value comes service. With value comes giving back. So what mm-hmm. membership has also allowed me to do is to engage state and national associations. I do believe it's reciprocal. I don't want to look at this as a concept where I must take, but I also must give back. If I'm looking for leadership opportunities, let me contact my state association board or state association president. If I'm looking for opportunities to collaborate with others nationally, let me go through my national association. Again, these are pathways to leverage. Yeah, I I like to summarize sometimes as a choose your own adventure, right? You get get out what you put into it. And I think that's definitely true, especially with volunteering and getting into those roles. So here's our tough question. So our last workforce survey showed that about 25% of practitioners are considering leaving the field of OT. And AOTA also had a 7% drop in membership this past year. So in your opinion, are these issues related? And what's really the best way to address both our burnout issues within our profession, as well as that membership problem? I think first and foremost, the culture of looking at it as an opportunity to really explore a different avenue of a place where we most likely, we have not been in this magnitude. We've been in membership drops before or membership crises before, but not in this magnitude. And then the idea of individuals or communities exiting the profession is another area that's an opportunity, not just a challenge, but to really understand the why. In any case, whether it's community practice or as a clinician, that occupational profile, right, Maurice, that needs assessment, that understanding the chief complaint, the chief reason why we're interacting at the moment. I think that's critical. So in this case, I think it's important to understand that membership is related to a exodus of a number of, of communities that are leaving our profession. 
does that mean that membership has not sufficed their needs or a lack thereof? Or again, to the point is, what is their value of membership? Could a individualization or a personalization of value cater to meeting the milestones of our communities? So Clarissa, to sum this up, I kind of talk about this in many different perspectives. The student is almost absorbed into academia, into expectations of, of academic excellence, milestones, mm-hmm. grades, passing field work, passing their board exam, getting their first job, and so forth. These are milestones in the occupational therapy journey. My vision is, is to match membership to milestones, mm. is to ensure that there is a clear support of that student who may not be struggling, but rather wants to be further challenged in their OTA, OT education. That student who wants to give back in prepping for the board exam to individuals across the board. It's almost like a, that membership is a tandem. It's, it's almost like a, a personalization of your strengths and agilities to match challenges. So I, I do think the crisis is at our doorstep. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's, an, it's a challenge. I think it's an opportunity to further revision what membership can be. It's a great opportunity to take a challenge and to flip that into a learning experience. It sounds like if I had to kind of summarize off of what you've said over these last few questions, your perspective, if it's right to say this, is almost as taking a step back and taking a pulse of where people are at and what they need, and then using that information then to move forward in that kind of building that sense of community. And I think that's an interesting perspective along how can we align membership with the different milestones within our career, because you're right, the needs of a student is very different from the needs of a practitioner five years out or the needs of someone who's in academia and doing research. So does that kind of sound like a fair summarization that your kind of idea is to step a bit back and develop that community and those needs? Correct. And and it's almost like the three, the three A's that you have to be agile, you have to be adaptive, but mm-hmm. you also have to be aligned. You must be aligned to what you can provide but also provide it at the right time, the most appropriate time. And if it's resources and supports that don't match what I need, there might not be an incentive to value membership. But if we can at least look at it from a milestone perspective, just almost like think pediatrics, right? If you just kind of match them to where they are, it's a given. It fits, it aligns to their needs at the moment. Definitely, it's, it's almost like it's our duty to ensure that we're not key cutter when it comes to the right. concept of membership. If we truly are going to be inclusive and embrace diversity and look at equity across the board, then it has to be personalized. So what advice would you give to someone who's interested in volunteering or taking on a leadership role like you have? (laughs) Most importantly, take the first step. Just like uh, going to the gym, you know, going to the gym, trying to jump off a plane to do skydiving (laughs) or anything else. (laughs) It's that first step that is incredibly difficult. But it's, it's important to understand that, that many before you have taken that first step. And that first step is the most challenging, but there's a plethora of communities of supports that are out there. I think when it comes to volunteering, and I said this before, the idea that you can be a volunteer leader as a student, you can embrace leadership opportunities and qualities as a student in academia, whether it's an OTA or an OT school, but looking at student associations as a great way to get a little bit of a, of a macro view as to what leadership looks like in other spaces. At that point, being a clinician, again, I think in volunteering and leadership, clinicians are an incredible aspect of our profession in the sense that they're doing the work that we are, we are striving for in terms of advancing the profession. 
time might be a barrier when it comes to volunteering or advocacy or getting engaged. But at the same time, we have a multitude of contexts, including digital contexts, which is the social media world, where mm -hmm. leadership opportunities, advancements, advocacy can easily happen, if that makes sense. Meaning taking leadership from the traditional perspective of engagement, right, physical engagement, to then thinking about digital engagement. Yep. Because uh, this is the next wave of interaction, right? Whether it's AI or, or apps, but engaging in the digital context can embrace those leadership qualities that may not be attainable if time is a barrier or if resources are a barrier. Take that first step is a critical aspect. Yeah, now more so than ever, you're right. There's so many different ways to get involved and get your voice out there and your perspective. To wrap up our interview, of course, the most important question why should someone vote for Vikram Patton? Well, I'll say this humbly because that's the way that I am in terms of my tone. I want to earn a voter's trust. I want to earn a voter's confidence. I want to earn a voter's support. I don't want a vote just based upon affiliation or mm -hmm. kind of like one thing that Vic said, check my receipts, do a background check, ensure that I can walk the walk and I can talk the talk. I do believe that a leader should be able to earn their stripes in regards to ensuring that they're acting in the best interest of the entire membership body. And in our case, in our profession, an extension of both members and non-members. Uh, I believe a leader should be able to walk in spaces that are comfortable and uncomfortable. You're representing the profession in multiple spaces and multiple contexts. I am running to earn our community's trust, our community's vote, and our community's confidence. And again, voting is an incredible aspect in our profession where we have representation that requires your engagement. So, you know, when we talk about representation matters, voting matters, mm -hmm. occupational therapy matters, showing up and voting for where you would like the profession to be matters. And, and last thing, Clarice, I, I want to say, there's a plethora of diversity of experience across multiple slates. I think it's an incredible opportunity opportunity to rejoice and celebrate where we've been and where we are. The diversity in our presidential slate, the diversity in our VP slate, and as well as our board directors and multiple other volunteer roles, including the RA, is a, is a great place in terms of the milestones we've reached and the amazing journey ahead of us when it comes to the advancements of our profession. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Vic, for taking the time to speak with me and then to speak with everyone who is listening, our Amplifier community. Wish you the best of luck on your campaign, and thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Chris. Hey, it's Clarice, and I just want to say thank you to all the candidates who have participated in this year's election and in this podcast series. Make sure to listen to all three episodes in order to hear interviews from the four AOTA president candidates and the two vice president candidates. I also want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to these interviews and to be an informed voter. I sincerely hope that you vote in this year's AOTA elections, which open on February 2nd and close on February 23rd at 11.59 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you aren't an AOTA member right now, that's okay. Now is a great time to join AOTA so you can participate in future elections. Well, this year's elections definitely have a historic number of individuals running for these positions, every single AOTA election is important and shapes the future and direction of our profession. So I sincerely hope that you get involved. 
So again, thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. I put out a new podcast every other Tuesday. So please make sure to check back in if you want to learn more about advocacy, policy, and reimbursement. You can also access all of our blogs and podcasts for free at AmplifyOT.com, and you can join our free OT Amplifiers community at Learn.AmplifyOT.com. I really hope you'll join us, and I look forward to getting to know you. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?